Jeff Dolan is the CEO of Wave, a SaaS startup that provides users with tools to turn audio into shareable social media videos. This episode, Jeff shares how his artistic side has influenced his approach to business and leadership, what it takes to build a successful SaaS company, and gives valuable advice for aspiring and established entrepreneurs. I've always been an artist. I've always wanted to do art, always wanted to be a creator, even from when I was little, right? I I loved drawing and then uh, doing music and video. I always had a camera somewhere around. And as I got older, it became very clear that you needed to make money. (laughs) Of course. And everybody's like, you got to get a skill and you got to focus and you got to, you know, make go out in the business world. And it was always this thing where it was like, okay, but you do that to then go create, right? Like, that's how it works. Like, you make the money so you can go have fun. (laughs) Yeah, of course. And they were very separate in my mind, sadly, like growing up. And so I got into uh, corporate America, started climbing the ladder, uh, sales and business development, played the corporate game for a very long time, and just realized, you know the creativity is almost discouraged, right? It's like, just hit your numbers, you know, don't draw outside the lines, don't rock the boat, don't do anything too crazy, right? If we see you on social media posting about your opinions or anything else, like that's not good for you and your career (laughs) (laughs) or it doesn't toe the line or reflect what the company's values are or whatever, right? So, it was a very um, closed kind of environment. It's very like you're always looking over your shoulder like, uh, you know, am I am, am I going to say something wrong or am I going to do something wrong? It's going to jeopardize um, my job or career or whatever. And there's a lot of employers out there that are not like that, right, that are very encouraging. Even the ones that think they're very encouraging uh, to create a, an environment where everyone's valued, uh, it still very much is – not a smart thing to do to just say, Oh, I can be whoever I want and just (laughs) totally disregard, uh, the, the environment. Right. And so regardless of all that, I really felt like my creativity was on one side and my business was on another side. Yeah. And so what I guess as a function of growing older, you realize life is too short to live like that. Mm. And at some point, you're just going to either break and break down and burn out or you're going to align yourself or merge your different sides of yourself and just be who you are. <laughs> yeah, of course. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, 100% it makes sense. And for you, when did that moment kind of manifest itself? Did you have like a side hustle while you're working in the corporate world or did you kind of have that hard moment where you're like, right, I can't do this anymore. I have to just go out there and pursue, you know, what I feel is is best for me. Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting question. I I don't think I had the moment happen. I think it's been a slow burn because I did get out of corporate America, and I could probably say like that was the moment. But even in I could tell even in my new role where I was working for a small company, it was you know I was you know helping them grow, and and that was a side hustle client of mine that turned into a more full-time role. And so even when I was in that, 
you know, they were like, Hey, be yourself, be creative. We love that you're a filmmaker. We love that you're creative. Like put all that into it. Even then I was still like, really? Like, are you sure yeah. <laughs> I can just come up with stuff and I can film? And like, they flew me to LA to do some filming and I'm like, is this real life? Like, wh like, what am I doing here? Like, <laughs> yeah. And so even, even then it was hard for me to even like thaw out, I guess, and just kind of be myself. And so I think it's been a process. Right. And then even this coming on as wave CEO, it's really been even more eye opening where it's like, okay, you really now have no one above you that is going to tell you, you can't do that. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I, I, it's like the shadow person. I'm like, Oh, is this okay, boss? It's like, no, you're the boss. Like there's no <laughs> one else. <laughs> you get to build the culture, you know, and you get to have fun with your creators and all the people you're working with. And, um, I just, uh, hired, you know, a social media, um, filmmaker who I was I really impressed with. And so it's just fun to recognize other creators and be able to call the shots and, and be yourself and do things like this. You know, doing a podcast like this, I would never do during the workday, right? Yeah. It would just be like, oh yeah, that's I'm gonna do that at night or on side time or mm. weekends or whatever. And so it's really cool to be able to do that. But I think it has been a progression over time. Um, and if there's anybody listening where they're totally identifying with like, man, I, I just don't feel like I can be myself. Uh, there is light at the end of the tunnel. Like there are companies that let you do that. There are people you can work with. Uh, you just have to desire to change and start making those decisions and start moving towards that. Yeah. And uh, what are some examples of you bringing creativity into your workplace? Yeah. So uh, one of the... <laughs> I tried to do it. Well, I guess I did do it uh, in corporate America. I had a really cool boss uh, where they let me kind of hire an improv comedy troupe. Um, to do what? <laughs> yeah. So this is really interesting. So so we had we were working with some of the top insurance companies in the U.S. Mm. and like Blue Cross Blue Shield and all these companies. And I, I was given as a vendor or as a partner, I was given a slot at a conference in front of like you know, a couple thousand people or however big, I forget how big it was, but it was a big conference, a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And they gave me a slot to speak. And instead of just me getting up on the microphone and selling my company, I said, wouldn't it be funny if we created, if we had a comedy troupe come up and do improv comedy using the material of the industry, mm -hmm. right? So like the common pains and, and, things that happen in the industry that are just tough or something that's difficult that they deal with there on a day-to-day -day basis. What if they made fun of that and really just had a good time with it? And so I prepped them and really educated them on the industry and all the keywords and all the funny things that they deal with. And they loved it. I mean, it was the most amazing response ever because they're used to just seeing just some guy in a suit get up there and talk for yeah. you know, 10, 20 minutes or whatever. And so just that little infusion of creativity made such a huge difference in a otherwise very just bland corporate environment. Uh, that was kind of the seed of like, oh, wow, like creativity really does move the needle in business. Mm. And it's actually the variable of success if you can uh, recognize it and capitalize on it. Right. Um, and so there's there's moments where you're going to be tempted to do the normal thing that is expected of you in business, mm -hmm. but there are no rules. 
right? And so if you can look at yourself first as an artist and then put your business hat on, you'll be way more successful than if you put your business hat on first, right? Yeah. I mean, that's the thing nowadays with marketing and, you know, kind of that side of the business where you're trying to promote yourself. Creativity always wins. Like you see it now on TikTok. There's a lot of trends that start and then other companies copy it and see it's working but that what you did there is very unique and you know people probably came away from that but like you know that company yeah they they just did this weird improv thing but it's really stuck in my brain and they've suddenly forgotten the other seven eight speakers they've listened to because yours was breaking you know their frame and you know that's just a testament to creativity isn't it yes yeah breaking the frame i mean in marketing that's what it's about you know stop the scroll. Mm. If I haven't seen this before, when I'm scrolling, I'm going to stop and go, what is this? And that's what you're trying to do. And now it's gotten to the point where on TikTok, I was joking about this before, but you know, they used to be like, oh yeah, three minute videos. Mm. You know, those are the shortest you want to do. And then it was like one minute and then it was like 15 seconds. And now it's like literally one second. (laughs) You have one second to break the frame or stop the scroll. And so you better really know what you're talking about. Um, and, and be natural and all that. So the environment, the, the current environment of attention has really gotten short. Uh, yeah. And you really got to be sharp on what you're doing and tight. Even to the point where, you know, Mr. Beast, as an editor, right, on, on YouTube, he'll pay hundreds of thousands of dollars just in re-editing. Mm. So if something's successful... And I think this is something I can get better at too. We all can as creators. But if you're creating content, if something's doing well, double down on it. Yeah. Make it better. Like improve the edit, tighten up the edit, do more, add different things to it, try out different things. Because if it's one thing I've learned, it's that there's certain pieces of content that are going to hit and you're not going to know why. Yeah. (laughs) Most definitely. <laughs> or you might know why, but you didn't, you didn't predict it. Right. Yeah. And so the temptation as creators is for us to go out and constantly create new things instead of repurpose stuff that's worked before Yeah. or, or try different angles on it. Right. Yeah. I mean, Mr. Beast has, you know, a, a formula that he follows that works and I'm sure he's always tweaking and working on the formula, but the smaller parts of it that people have kind of realizes like every three to six seconds something changes so you know it might be a little zoom here or something in the background is moving all these little things is what keeps you engaged even in his long form videos like now i watch things from a very kind of analytical well not always but sometimes i watch things from an analytical perspective and i watch a mr beast video and as much as i'm not interested i can't keep my eyes off it i have (laughs) to see it because it's like if I'm not watching, I might hear it, but I miss that little camera cut where you see someone that's a participant in one of these crazy challenges pulling a face or doing something and there's a small animation. I'm like, oh, uh, you know what I mean? I'm missing out on this thing. And I think the problem now is where everybody can or wants to be able to be a content creator. They're like, right, this is what works. This is how it works. So I'm going to do it. It's like, no, that worked for them. What works for you and your content? You know, if me and you were to try to squeeze this conversation that we're having now into five seconds or, you know, 15 seconds, it's not going to work. You know what I mean? But it's different content for different purposes. And that kind of brings me into yourself and Wave. Before I ask, you know, questions about Wave and what, actually, no, let me me go to that first. Tell me a little bit about Wave and then I'll ask you about being the CEO there and all that kind of stuff. So what is Wave? Yeah, so uh, Wave is a platform that helps creators, specifically audio creators like podcasters, to turn their audio into video. 
and we're the simplest platform to do it. So add a picture, add your audio, generate a video. It's that simple. And we have the audio waveforms, the progress bars, uh, the captions, anything that just like you said, keeps that visual interest uh, on the timeline as you're scrolling, right? And as a podcast, there is no visual element to it. So what we want to do is get you from, I have an audio file to, I have an interesting, engaging video without editing, mm. right? Because as soon as you put the video element in, as soon as I say, um, or ah, and oh, and there's a edit that needs to happen there. And so that takes a lot of time. And if you're a podcaster, you already spent a lot of time getting that thing dialed in, right, for mm. publishing. The last thing you want to do is now spend even more time trying to edit for the clips to market yeah. and get all your trailers. So we want to give you the fastest path to do that. And one of the tips that I give to podcasters specifically is while you're editing your podcast, if you hear a clip that's really strong, clip it. And save it as an MP3 off in a folder. Yeah. And that's going to be your trailer That's or one of them, right? Mm. You could find in an hour podcast, you might have 30 different highlights from it yeah. as you're editing. Mm. So as you're editing, just, oh, there's one. There's a little 30-second clip. There's a 10-second clip. There's a 20-second clip. Just grab that and throw it in a folder. Now, there's a skill set to that because you have to figure out, out of context, is this going to make sense? Yeah. And that's really hard to do. If you have an hour-long podcast and you, in, in your mind as you're editing, you're like, okay, I know what we're talking about. I know the general conversation. I know what we talked about before. I know what we're going to talk about after. I can clip this and it'll make sense. Not to somebody that's never seen your podcast, doesn't have any clue who you are, mm. what you're talking about. They don't know anything. They just watched a video of a cat jumping off of TV, <laughs> right? And then they see you. Yeah. So if you have that frame of mind, you have your trailer, that's what you want to clip totally out of context. You still got to know what you're watching and what you're listening to. That is going to be an on-ramp for you to get new listeners to listen to your podcast that have never listened to you before. And you're going to want to, want to use social media as the avenue on-ramp to get more followers and listeners to your podcast. And so Wave helps you do that to get you that non-editing, really simple trailer for your podcast. Put out as many as you can. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and then, uh, we just came out with transcription too. So now you have the ability to transcribe the audio. So if you load the whole hour, you can make a bunch of clips off that again, really simple. Just add the picture, add the waveform, get them out, no video editing. And then you can transcribe those to get the descriptions to put with the videos. So if you have a LinkedIn post with a video, Hit transcribe. It gives you the summary, or you can summarize the, tra the the transcription, which is really cool. So it uses AI, gives you the the summary of a transcription, and then you just grab that and put that in for SEO, for discoverability, etc. Lovely. Well, that's that's a great description of the company, and you are CEO of this company. So talk me through the process of becoming CEO. Were you the CEO of anything else before, or is this your first time being a CEO? This is my first time being a CEO. Yeah. So. Uh, I was, once I got out of corporate America, I, you know, like I said, I had that kind of side hustle where I was, I had a handful of marketing clients that I was helping, but I, I had only been doing it seriously for about, probably about the last six months to a year in corporate America. Um, although when I was in high school and college, I ran my own web design firm. So I had always mm. had an entrepreneurial bent, mm. um, I just kind of put it on hold as I was in corporate America, but towards the end, and this was probably, you know, 2018 ish. Uh, I had 
a handful of clients that I was serving anywhere from ads, you know, running their SEO, their, their marketing, their Facebook, uh, all that kind of stuff. Um, and I had a client that, uh, was kind of, in, you know, encouraging me to go full time with them. Right. Yeah. And so, uh, as I started working for them, I was like, well, I'm going to put all my sales and marketing sales together and really see if I know what I'm talking about and really grow this company. And so I was able to three X their revenue and some, some of my private equity friends, they saw that and they were like, Hey, can you do that for one of our companies? Mm. And so that's how I got in. And so you never know who's watching you. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the takeaway. You never know who's watching you perform the best you can in whatever you're given, right? Whatever's in front of you do the best you can at it. Cause you don't know who's watching you. And, um, and so, you know, I, I think, did I have previous CEO experience? No, yeah, of course but, not. <laughs> but did I know, but did they know that I was ready to do it? Yes. Yeah. Right. And so, and, and you know, the interesting thing about it is you're always learning, you're always growing and you're always, um, you know, learn, uh, having the opportunity in front of you to, to, to decide, am I going to see this as an opportunity to grow today or am I going to shrink back and go to what's comfortable mm -hmm. and only operate out of what I know I can do. Yeah. Right. And so if you're given those opportunities or somebody's like, Hey, can you do this thing? And you're like, Ooh, that's a stretch. Say yes and figure it out as yeah. soon as possible. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure now as the CEO, there's a lot of things that people come to you with thinking you're going to have the answer and you go, I'll get back to you on that. And your I'll get back to you on that means I need to go find out the answer or my best interpretation of what the answer might be and come back to you with it. <laughs> right. Well, I think the demand is, is the demand for your time is the biggest thing, right? Mm. There's two big things. There's the demand on your time you're just, there's so many people that need something from you or, um, you know, want to take your time in a meeting or, Hey, just grab a quick coffee or grab this or grab. It's like, you know what? I need to make a decision on that. And then the second thing is like decision fatigue. So mm -hmm. the amount of decisions you have to make is just enormous. And yeah. we already are in a, in a world that decisions are hard and coming at us uh, if you just look at the number of ads and offers we're being hit with nonstop, we're all, we already have decision fatigue from that. So then if you put yourself in a position of leadership, um, then you have even more. And then those decisions impact others' lives. So, you know, they're waking up every day like, is Jeff going to do something <laughs> to yeah. change my day or my trajectory, right? So you have to be more aware and more empathetic with your team and, and what's going on. And so, yeah, it's, it's a little more, um, responsibility for sure than I'm typically used to. Yeah. And, and how many direct reports do you have? Because anyone I have on that's a C level executive, I go, well, all right, how many direct reports do you have? And like you said earlier, you don't have anyone above you. So, you know, those direct reports are the only people that you really kind of talk to on a regular basis and that you kind of, you know, give information out to or listen to. So I'm just curious about that. Yeah. I mean, best practice is you want to have a, a maximum of five direct reports, right? right. Um, and the company is very small. I mean, our company, depending on how you count uh, contractors, five to ten people. So it's right. very, it's a very small company. And so, um, you know, I, I think even if you look at the biggest companies in the world, the CEO is structuring themselves to where they're 
when they hire, they're hiring for people that are going to be those empire builder people, right? Mm. So you're hiring somebody that is going to be, you know, let's say you're hiring a head of development or something. You want them to grow the development team themselves as the CEO of that team, right? right? Yeah. And so you're not looking for just an end role. You're looking for somebody that can step up over time and become the CEO of that department, mm. right? And eventually maybe even the company. So mm. if you're hiring right, you only want to pick a few people, a handful of people, let's say five, because eventually you will teach them and invest in them to grow into the role that they need to become. As the team grows, they, go, they grow, you invest in them. And that way you can limit the amount of people that you're really investing in heavily to become those leaders. Mm. And then they're going to be the ones that lead their teams and lead the company in the right way. So the last thing you want to do is, you know, I, I hear a lot of, uh, well, we're a flat company and we have, you know, it's just everyone's on the same level. That sounds good as a talking point, but it's not an efficient use of a leader's time and attention, right? Mm. You want to invest in people that are, in, you know, visionary level thinkers that are going to be able to lead a team, that are going to be able to grow their their business within a business, right? Their department within a business, mm. because you're thinking way bigger, right? But if you just hire a bunch of people that are um, produ end producers, right? Like they just, they do what they do and that's all they're going to ever do. That's exhausting. Like yeah. you're going to have to hire all these people and then they're just going to come into work every day and be like, all right, Sam, what are we doing today? Yeah. <laughs> And those aren't the people that you want in your organization. You want people that take ownership of what their side of the business is. And you just kind of like, you know, peep your head around the door type thing and be like, oh, okay, yeah, they're working on that. They, they've got this. Do you know what I mean? I don't have to worry about that. I've just got to stay right. in my lane. Do you know what I mean? Right. I think that's a sign exactly. of really bad management. You know, I was, I was talking to someone a couple, probably months ago now, and he was like, you don't manage people, you manage things. So you manage tasks and processes. And I was like, ah, oh, I always thought that, you know, managing people was the way, but he's actually right. You know, you kind of check the data, check the, the kind of, you know, inputs and outputs. And the person is just putting those inputs in and getting those outputs out. And that's kind of how it goes. So I, I'm wondering for you, Jeff, what is your kind of vision for wave, you know, as, as the head of the body, that is the organization, you kind of set the vision. So I'd like to know what it is. Yeah, it's, it's really funny in this environment with ChatGPT and the AI stuff coming on. It's almost, it's almost strange because the AI that's happening right now was kind of the vision like two years ago mm, yeah. <laughs> for our company. And it, and it wasn't exactly, you know, we want a chat bot that does all these things, but it was the concept of the ma we call it internally as the magic button yeah. right so the magic button uh that solves it's kind of like the easy button if you've heard of that mm. you know where yeah. you just hit it and it just does everything for you yeah that concept is a really good analogy for uh the original vision for what i had for wave because your main art as a podcast or as an audio book or as a song or whatever that is what you are investing most of your artist artistic creativity into right mm. the marketing of it is kind of like can i just hit a button and just somebody can just take care of that for me right yeah. <laughs> unless you're the interesting bird kind of like i am where you like marketing and that's kind of a fun thing too but or you see marketing 
in in business as your art right mm-hmm. and that is your art um that's that's kind of the the easy button concept well when you look at chat gbt it's almost a magic button right mm-hmm. it's like hey i don't want to have to learn how to draw paint do 3d animation i don't want to learn how to do any of this stuff i just want to type into a computer and tell it and it's just going to go out and do what an artist would take years of learning to figure out how to do right mm. and so um that that concept of how can we make it as simple and easy for creators as possible is what we strive to do every day so that's kind of like the the vision uh, of the company is, is how can we how can we make everything just so easy that they can't imagine going doing it a different way in the yeah. future? Yeah, I mean, that's that's one thing that everybody really needs to kind of get in their head with whatever type of business they're running is to your customer or to your end user, how do you become sticky? How do you become so ingrained in their workflow or their process that they can't imagine a world where you don't exist for them? Because that's how you keep, you know, your churn numbers low as well as, you know, basically have happy customers you know no one ever complained oh i've got too many happy customers but you know <laughs> people always like oh what's the secret sauce to having a successful company it's like making sure your customers are happy and they don't want to leave that's it really that is it and and a lot of people miss that they think um if you talk to a lot of people in marketing and business you hear a lot of like lead you know you need leads you need lead generation you need you know all this prospecting and you need to be able to do that yes absolutely right but the definition of business is to keep customers, mm. to have returning customers, right? Mm. And that's why a lot of people want to get into software as a service, right? Wave is a software as a service. Mm. Because people are voting with their dollars. They're saying, I want to stay with you and I trust you to keep building for me. And I'm going to subscribe to this service as a software as a service, right? Mm. Um, because if you're a business that continuously just gets new customers in and then loses them, you're not retaining customers, then you really don't have a true business. Mm. It's a, it's a very difficult business to run long-term at some point you're, you're just going to burn yourself out and you're not going to have the leads coming in. It's going to be hard. So you have to find, uh, something like you said, that is sticky, that people are going to see as necessary to their workflow or to their creative stack or however your whatever your industry is that that is kind of that uh they talk about the the vitamin or the medicine right mm. so is it a nice to have like if you had it it'd be nice for you or is it like no i have to take this like this is my medicine i gotta take this uh and so you want to have to you have to figure out what are you getting into what pain are you solving um and, and and keep that customer in mind because if you if you lose that and I think a lot of people get kind of caught up in the hype of I'm growing my business I've got money I've got this I've got cars I got watches I got vacations I got lifestyle you know I'm fulfilling my my internal you know needs or whatever it's like you're missing the whole point yeah are you serving a customer are you meeting their need and are you doing it repeatedly yeah. <laughs> Oh, it's definitely. If that's your focus, everything else takes care of itself. And and that's what's funny is you can take somebody that wants to start a business and a true executive that knows what they're talking about can really pin that down and see whether that entrepreneur has something or not. Yeah. So and this is a good exercise if you're listening to this, if you're trying to start a business, boil it down to who are you helping? Are you a necessity in their life? Is it the best alternative to anything else they're doing? Will they pay you for it? Yeah. 
that is literally what I was about to ask you is what's the secret sauce? What's that little kind of little nugget that you can share with the people? And you just said it right there. You know, it, it, <laughs> a lot of people kind of go into business and go, oh, this is amazing. This will change the world. It's like, yeah, but who is it for? What does it do? And a lot of people don't answer that question for themselves. Right. And it's hard. And it, I mean, think about what we just talked about. The attention spans are so short. Mm. Literally, and this is this is mind blowing for me when I figure this out, but they're going to go to your website and you literally have five seconds to figure out what this company does or you're out. Mm. That's the environment we're in. Mm. So you could spend millions of dollars on a company. You can invest all this money, all this stuff. And if somebody goes to your website and they can't tell you within five seconds, am I the right fit for this company? Can I understand what this company does? You're done. Yeah. You, you don't have a shot. You're going to lose 90% of the people, right? Um, because there's only certain kinds of personalities that are going to really go to a website that they've never seen, never heard of before, really read it and go through everything. Okay, let me read this. Oh, yeah, let me scroll down. Let me read all the paragraphs. Let me let me take all this in. Very rare. Yeah. Most of us, our attention spans are so short. That's why in this AI boom that just happened, I hear so many executives say, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're just one of the AI copycats. Yeah. You're just one of the chat GBT that, you know, had the API, you put it in and now you're just slapping a label on it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm. So they're not even paying attention. They yeah. don't even know like what company's doing what, right? Yeah. And so our BS meters are high. Mm. Our attentions are low. Everybody's focused on themselves. So to stand out in a noisy world, you have to hone, spend a lot of time on what is your value proposition that such that when they read that, they can understand by landing on your website within five seconds what's going on. Yeah. And, you know, you've mentioned there AI is kind of really kind of taking off, which is true. Like, you know, we're seeing everybody's talking about ChatGPT right now. And people that are already aware of these type of tools are talking about stuff like Mind Journey or Mid Journey, whatever it's called, and all the other, you know, projects that open AI has. So I'm wondering for you, what do you view the future of content creation looking like? Yeah. I mean, gosh, it's, it's rapidly changing fast. Mm. I mean, when I started answering this question a year ago, last year, even it wasn't even on the radar. Mm. Right. And now we already have chat GPT four that yeah. just came out. Yeah. Right. So it literally, like, it's just like, boom, boom, boom. It's already, and then all the competitors, right. With yeah. Google coming in. And so I think the, the future, whether people are going to embrace it or not, is the avatars are definitely going to be a trend mm. where at some point Sam is going to want to retire from being on the camera, on the mic, mm. maybe not, but at some age, yeah. right. You're going to be like, okay, I'm 99 years old. I'm 123. Yeah. I'm 159. I'm going to do something else. Right. Yeah. Um, because the, the thing that people don't understand with content, especially like the TikTok crowd, is like you're not going to be dancing on TikTok your whole life. Yeah. Right? Like you're just not. There's certain things that you're just not going to do forever. So mm. there's like a moment and you're going to have your fun and get your followers and then you're going to have to take them on a journey to the next thing you're going to do. And it probably is not dancing or whatever you're doing, right? Yeah. So so I think the the one of the big trends of content creation is going to be do I want to dance forever on TikTok? Mm. Probably not. No. <laughs> Tongue in cheek a little bit. No, no, no. You can. Yeah. But it's not going to be you. It's going to be a digital copy of you or your avatar. Yeah. So if you do a 3D body scan, 
you can technically dance forever on TikTok, but it won't be you. Yeah. It'll be an asset that you own that shares your likeness, that talks like you, that looks like you, but it's a digital version of you. Mm. And you can stay the same age forever and the computer will talk like you and have all your mannerisms and all the all the things, right? Mm. So I definitely think once it's fully mature, there's going to be a company that figures that out and that allows you to just take your phone and, you know, scan yourself, right? LiDAR, however they're going to do it and do a 3D copy of yourself and really get that high fidelity version of your avatar. Um, take all your podcasts, YouTube videos, understand your voice, be very uh, realistic in how they sound, how it sounds like you. So I think the ability to uh, leverage your avatar to create content when you're not there, right? So, so that the freedom of time uh, separating the content creation from your time is going to be interesting because think about this too. The AI, you can tell it once it has all that digital twin copy of you, mm. you can instruct it what to do, yeah. right? So if you're like, hey, post a video about podcasting every Friday for an hour. Yeah. That's it. That's, that's pretty done. crazy to think about. Yeah. Now, that's content creation, yeah. right? That's just one small trend in content creation. Now, we could go off on a whole other tangent of like, I do guest appearances in games. I get paid for it. My avatar is making money when I'm not there. I, you know, my avatar gets really good at drone racing and it entered some competitions and won first place and I'm making some money over there. I'm not even here. Who am I? Like I'm in the, I'm in the metaverse. My avatar is doing, and I can copy my avatar to like 10 different things. So this avatar over here is in Japan doing a concert you know, in front of a thousand people, my avatar over here is doing something else. Right. And I'm licensing all this out to people and it's making money. We can blow people's minds with all the possibilities. That's the creation side. Yeah. Let's get back to the customer. Mm. We were just talking about what problem are you solving for a customer? Do they care? Are they going to come back? Are they repeat customers? Right. Okay. In a world where everyone's doing that, mm. why do I care yeah. as a human? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, so, if Sam has 50 copies of himself in five different metaverses doing all these different things, at what point is the avatar just a copy of some other copy of a copy of a copy that's just regurgitating stuff? And how much of that is an authentic creator that I'm going to care about listening to or engaging with? Yeah. Well, you so it really gets back to that humanity and the uniqueness of what makes you human. And I think that's going to be where the AI and the real world like kind of hits and, and meets. And we're going to figure out, is this something that uh, people are going to reject wholeheartedly or how is it going to happen? Now, the technology will be there to pull off a lot of the stuff that I just said, mm. but are people going to want to engage with it? Yeah. And, and you're a creator yourself. You set yourself or you had a challenge where you said to your friend, right, we're going to take you from zero subscribers to, I think it was 6,000. Was it in six, six months? Thousand, is, it, yeah. is it that whole lovely kind of tagline? Zero to 6,000 yep. in six months. 6,000 in six months. And yep. you did it for yourself. And I went and looked at your YouTube channel. You have 7,000 subscribers. And, you know, in that time period, I assume you probably hit 6,000 for yourself and probably for your friend. So I'm wondering if you could kind of not share your strategy per se, but talk me through why that started, how that started and, and what it was like to go through that process and, you know, how you got to that goal. Yeah. You're the first uh, podcast host to ask me about that. So I appreciate that. It's the research, <laughs> Jeff. I do the research. Yeah. I love it. Good <laughs> research. Um, so this is, this is fun. So I did do a challenge and I, I, 
had a client, a wave, you know, customer creator tell me, Hey, you know, you're the CEO, but you, your social media following is weak sauce, mm. right? Like, you're just like, what are you doing? Yeah. Like, you're just not growing your own stuff. And mm. it's like, well, cause I, I got a lot of stuff going on. Mm. So I was like, okay, I give out a lot of advice on these podcasts, right? Like how, how do you grow? I, I write a weekly blog. I do a weekly podcast, right? With wave where it's like, Hey, here's all the latest and greatest tips and tricks on how to grow and how to do all these things. That's great. Your wealth of knowledge, put it to the test and grow your own stuff. Mm, of course. <laughs> and so one of the things that I tell people that I think is, you know, a lot of people out there say this, which is focus on one platform, mm. right? Put Invest your time in that one platform and grow that one audience. And mm. don't spread yourself thin where you're like, no, I'm going to grow seven different platforms all at the same time. And it's all going to be, you know... That's super hard to do, right? Because each platform has its own context on how the audience likes their content. You got to know all the different ways to post, all the different formats. Like it could be a full-time job, right? Just mm. to do one. Mm. And so I was like, wow. And you're competing with people that are all in on YouTube or all in on Instagram or all in on TikTok, mm. right? So for you to just dabble and be like, yeah, I'm going to be real serious and grow this, it's super hard. Mm. And so I said, all right, let me put this to the test. I'm going to grab a buddy that wants to do the same thing. And instead of um, doing it privately, I'm going to do it publicly. And we're going to record this. Mm. And the results were fascinating. I mean, we, we started last summer, right? We were uh, just off the heels of the ConvertKit conference and the Craft and Commerce conference uh, in Boise. And <laughs> we got really excited. And he was about to have a kid. Mm. Carter was about to have a kid. Yeah. And... Yeah. I was like, man, I'm a dad. I got two kids. This is going to be hard for you. Mm. Like you're, you're going to just, your life's going to change and you're going to go, oh man. <laughs> and so sure enough, <clears throat> we, you know, we were pretty consistent every week and, uh, he was start, I was teaching him the different things to do to grow your channel. And he just hit the wall where it's exactly what we said. He had his little boy mm. and, everything stopped, right? He had to be a dad. He was up at three in the morning. He was changing diapers. Like it, it was just a whole new paradigm. And he basically had to regroup. Mm. And, uh, and so that's why, you know, we pulled back on the episodes. We still haven't, we still need to record. And maybe by the time this comes out, I will have done this, but I still need to record the final video where it's like, Hey, what were the results? What happened? What's the, the redux on it? But he actually did not hit the, the goal. Yeah. Um, and I did not hit the goal by December 31st. Right. So it, we were joking. It was like, well, maybe it's 8K in eight months. Because yeah. <laughs> I'm at like something like 7K or something. Yeah. So, so you know, I, but I think the, the whole point of it is like, if you focus, you'll get results, mm. right? If you focus on one platform, if you focus on one topic, you will get traction, you will get results, and you need to study it. You need to become a student. You need to really understand, like, how do you write a headline? How do you, you know, get the SEO dialed in? How do you make the videos interesting? How do you uh, get better at your video skills, your editing skills, right? All these things come together. And as a filmmaker, I know that, you know, the weakest part of a film uh, is there's one weak part of a film, right? Mm. And it brings down the whole film. Mm. So if you put a bunch of weak things together in a film, it's just going to be a weak film, mm. right? But you could have an amazing film 
But if one aspect of it is really poor, mm. it brings the whole film down, right? Yeah. You could have this most amazing cast and amazing, you know, editing and sound and all this stuff, but maybe the acting's really bad, mm. or maybe the uh, the script was written really poorly, or maybe the you know there was too many corporate wants where they were putting a bunch of things in the script. Well, it has to have this and it has to have this, and it watered down the whole film, right? And so. It's really um, a model of look at each of your elements that you're putting in mm. and make sure they're as strong as you can possibly do it. Yeah. All right. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to do it out of the gate where you're going to hit a home run in every category, mm. but it's a journey. And I think what I, what I hope that show encouraged is you can publicly, publicly build something where you're at with the following you have I mean, I had to humble myself, right? Like I'm out there giving advice and I'm the CEO and all this stuff. And I had like three followers. Yeah. <laughs> Talking to a room of nobody. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you basically show up and it's just me and Carter just talking, right? Mm. And then you have the first few friends that are like, hey, we watched it. It was really cool. Like I learned a lot. And then you start to get strangers that are like, oh, hey, I checked this out. Like I'm looking forward to your next episode. And you're like, do I know you? And like, no. Oh, interesting. Like, um, and then you start implementing the the things that allow you to get in front of people that are searching for the topics, right? So right. if somebody's searching for how do I write a good headline or how do I grow my YouTube channel, now you start getting recommended by YouTube. And it doesn't take very long for YouTube to pick up on, okay, Sam is putting out this kind of content on a regular basis. He's talking to these people. I'm going to put this as a recommended video. Mm. And now when they watch that Mr. Beast video and they see you pop up, they click. And now you're starting to get all this new traffic, right? So there's, there's algorithms you can leverage. There's all sorts of things you can do uh, to grow your channel. And But the, the good news is you can start where you are today. There's no pressure that you have to you know, hit any sort of goal. The goals are just to inspire you to stay focused and keep creating. Yeah, no, most definitely. And you know, the thing I'm realizing about you is you seem to love learning. You seem to constantly be educating yourself, which is, you know, something that every kind of high performing person or CEO, or, you know, that type of person is doing. So I'm curious, where, where do you do most of your learning? Is it on YouTube? Is it podcasts? Is it books? That's a good question. I used to think it was books mm. uh, because the bang for the buck on a book is amazing. Mm. Uh, you got somebody that is extremely knowledgeable or has a lot of experience in a certain niche, and they're going to spend a lot of hours to distill it down into just one book. Yeah. So if you consume books, that's like amazing. Now, if you're on the go, audiobooks. But honestly, if I'm real with myself and I really audit my time, I'm not sitting there digesting books mm. or even audiobooks. Yeah. Sad to say, even though I think that's probably the better way to do it. Mm. What I'm doing is I'm on YouTube, mm. which is why I chose one of the, why I chose that as one of the first platforms to focus on growth. Uh, because if you just have a moment here or there as a busy person, right? And you just look at your feed, I can see the titles and the thumbnails mm. and just say, okay, I'm going to learn from this guru or I'm going to watch this short or I'm going to just, and I'm going to, it's kind of like the rocks in the glass analogy where have you seen this analogy where you have a big jar? No. Okay. So this is like, how do you optimize your time, right? Or your focus or your attention, have a big jar and they say, okay, this is an experiment. It's usually done in a classroom, but they say, how do you fit the most in this jar? 
and they have rocks, pebbles, uh, and sand. Mm. And then they have a jug of water. And people are like, okay, so let's put in some sand and let, oh, now I can't put the rocks in. Mm. Okay, let's put in some pebbles. Okay, I pour some water in. Okay, the sand won't go in now. Mm. But if you put the big rocks in, then you fill in the cracks with the pebbles, then you fill in those cracks with the sand, then you pour the water in, all of it fits in the jar. Yeah. And so when you look at that from a timing and, and attention standpoint, if I'm a busy executive, I'm a family man, I got a lot of things going on, I play bass on weekends, I do different things. Okay, there's a lot of junk going on here, right? And yeah. so how do you maximize your time? Well, it's probably not sitting there reading a book for an hour mm. or two because I just don't have the luxury of that. Mm. Now, I, I might have the luxury of listening to an audiobook or a podcast, which I totally do as well. But what I found is I'm really watching those um, those YouTube videos uh, or listening to podcasts when I have the time. Mm. That's That's my number one way to learn and catch up on stuff. And so um, you have to look at who are you trying to learn from and what are they putting out? Mm. Um, you might want to learn how to write and the only top writers are just writing books and like you're stuck with that. And that, okay, you know, however you're going to consume that. And I think it's different for everybody. Yeah. I think some people learn through listening, some through watching, some through doing. So you, you really got to figure that out. But for me, it's been, uh, I've really appreciated actually the, um, the trailers of, you know, the, the short form uh, video and, and the TikTok format that has taken the world by storm. I've really appreciated that because what that allows me to do is um, basically read the table of contents mm. on content that I want to consume. Yeah. So if I see something that's really, I'll give you an example. Like um, if you watch Lex Friedman, right? Which I do. <laughs> okay. That, that eight so hour, Lex was it, how, no, how long was it? Eight hour biology podcast? I watched all <laughs> of it over the course of a week. I was like, this is fantastic. But I was like, what did I listen to? I'm so like tired from this. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But Lex Friedman does some of the best interviews out there actually. I, absolutely. And so when you watch these top podcasts and YouTube videos, you don't have obviously four hours or two hours or however long, right? Mm. Like, but if I watch a highlight from it, and I say, oh, man, that's one I want to definitely catch. Mm. Now you know, okay, I just read the table of contents. Yes, on that one. Let me go and consume that, right? Mm. Let me let me go deeper on that. And so you can kind of get the gist of, of certain things based on that. And so it's actually a reverse way to do it. Mm. But if you look at a lot of high achievers, high performance people, uh, they'll read a book. They'll read the table of contents and say, what do I need right now? Mm. And I, I like to call it just-in-time learning. Yeah. So it's like you read a book and you're like, do I need to know all this right now to do my next task mm. or goal? Yeah. No. Mm. I just need to know this chapter and this chapter. Let me just read those and do those things and then I'll move on. Yeah. Oh, no, that's that's something I'm definitely going to try and incorporate because my reading list is ever growing. And it's one of those ones where there's a lot of overlap in that beginning section for a lot of books where it's like, this is how <laughs> you do this part. And this is how you do that part. It's like, yeah, okay. But what's that, you know, the title of the book that got me to buy this? What's that part? It looks like it's this chapter, that chapter and that chapter. <laughs> and, you know, as somebody who I would say I read a lot in quotes books, you know, probably about 12 a year in an ideal ideal year. I think there's definitely a lot of time spent where I could have just read, you know, say chapter nine, 10, and then the last chapter about, like, yep, I've got it. But I feel like that's not completing a book. It'd be like, if I watched just the last 15 minutes of a movie, I wouldn't really know what the build up was to that. But 
I'm definitely going to try and incorporate uh, that, especially for YouTube videos, the ones that I watch for learning purposes. So what, what kind of things are you watching when you're on YouTube? Because I, I had a guy on a couple episodes ago who was like the CEO of a construction company. And he's like, I'm just watching research stuff mainly for my personal life. It's not really business orientated. It's a lot of science-y kind of stuff and optimizing your health type stuff. So I'm always curious what people are watching or what people are ingesting as their content diet. Yeah, mostly cat videos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. I think it's a very interesting mix of uh, financial YouTube, mm. right? Or um, Fin Twitter, financial Twitter. Um, I, I'm also on LinkedIn. I think there's a bunch of different sources that uh, are everywhere from financial gurus to crypto gurus to AI mm. um, to um, filmmaking, right? Um, content creation and marketing, right? So uh, there's a lot of really solid, you know, Gary V, mm. right, is a popular one. Um, there's a lot of folks that are big thinkers, right, that are kind of macro level thinkers. Yeah. Um, like Rao Paul uh, of... Um, uh, the uh, one of the financial uh, channels. Um, yeah, and I so his, his name, but he's big on crypto and Bitcoin and stuff like that. I forgot what it's called. Yeah, but he's a macro. Econ he's a macro yeah, financial econ guy, yeah, right? Yeah. So, so I kind of I love knowing kind of the the big picture, like the macro environment, and mm. then I like kind of drilling down, and then it's like, okay, we're trying to market our podcast. What are we doing now, right? Yeah. Like we're trying to build this funnel. What are we doing? Yeah, and, and so. And that helps inform like your copy and your emails and what you're writing about. So you don't sound tone deaf mm. uh, to your audience. Uh, so if you're going to be a leader in the world, if you're going to be a thought leader, you kind of got to know what's going on. Mm. So you're just not totally clueless. Right. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think YouTube strangely has replaced what in the past was probably like the, the wall street journal or like the newspaper or whatever, you know, whatever you're reading. Yeah. Um, just because I, I've trusted these, uh, folks that I've been following for years. Right. So I know, you know, one of the guys that I follow, um, got a DWI and I was like, that's interesting. Mm. Right. And so it's like, you see these people in their lives and because they're on YouTube, you see them in, or on podcasts, frankly, the, you see their personal lives in a way that you're not used to seeing from some of your content uh creators some of your people so it's kind of like i guess if if anybody's older they know uh dan rather right it was like a an anchor in america that gave the news every night mm. and it's like you it's like you trusted him to give you the news and so the popular personalities now on social channels become and earn that trust over time mm. where you feel like the information you're getting from them um is is more trustworthy right? Mm -hmm. Because you just, you've been watching them for years. So I think that's where I really have kind of changed in, in how I consume, uh, where if I'm reading something in whatever, the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, like I don't really have a connection to those authors. Like I don't, I don't necessarily know who is writing that, where their political views are, where their religious views are where they're right. Like, I just don't know where they're coming from. I don't know their frame. And so I don't know how I can trust it or, uh, especially with all not to get controversial, but like the Twitter, Elon's dropping all sorts of bombs on Twitter, <laughs> like left and right. Yeah. And, 
the mainstream media is just ignoring it. Yeah. So it's like, okay, like we've got a bifurcation in news and like what's going on in the world. And everybody has a different opinion to the point where, and I think a Microsoft executive uh, that left Microsoft in like 2009, I think it was, mm. or maybe earlier, kind of called that this would happen. He said, hey, technology is going to reach a point where no one's going to know what to believe. Right. Yeah. And we're here. Yeah. Well, I think as well, it's one of those ones where it's like, oh, you know, it used to be like, oh, don't trust everything you, you hear or that kind of thing. And now it's like, don't trust everything you see. It's like, okay, but how do I find what the truth is, you know, with deep fakes and all that kind of stuff and, you know, people being hacked and whatever. You don't really know what's true. I'm sure there's there's probably people that are a lot smarter than me working on making sure that you can verify that something was said by somebody, you know, in that regard. But it, yeah, content and, you know, the internet is definitely getting to a place now. It's like me and you could sit here and record a parody podcast. You'd be like, the best way to record a podcast is put the microphone behind you, make sure you're recording in a dark room and talk <laughs> about anything for as long as possible and don't edit it. And people might believe that, but the people that are thinking properly might go, oh, they're just, they're taking a dig at the people that do stupidness, you know? <laughs> that's actually a really funny idea. <laughs> I mean, that that's my future i say future it's, it's a content plan that i plan to implement at some point this year which i don't care if people steal it or not or people are really doing it as well it's like highly paradised things like because that was that will definitely stop the scroll if you go hang on what's this person doing why are they doing this you know outside of the whole high production graphics all you know all the the right things being done what if you just saw someone in a really baggy suit talking about something you'd be like why is his suit so baggy do you know what i mean like the, all them kind of things no, they're Sam, there are guys on Twitter doing that right now. This whole account based not. on it. Yeah. <laughs> it's the most confusing thing. I literally so I thought it was funny because uh Elon was following some of these guys or some some somehow I came across these these accounts yeah. and I started it's dangerous because here's what happens. You follow them one day and you think it's hilarious because you watch one of their, you know, tweets or whatever. Mm. And then like weeks or months later, you see something in your feed and you're like, what the what is yeah. this? Is this real? Like, what is this guy even talking about? And you forget that it's a parody account. Yeah. And you literally, and of course, there's hundreds of people in the comments that are like, that's not right. Da, da, da. You can't say that. Bah, bah, bah. It's like, it's a joke, people. Like, it's not true. <laughs> it's hard. It's, it's definitely hard being out there and uh, trying to have, you know, a bit of a, an intellectual joke with people where it's like, you know the right answer, but I'm giving the wrong answer in the most convincing way possible because, you know, some people are literally looking for that next piece of advice and not doing you know, more research. You know, it's the, it's the idea of collecting many different sources before you come to your own conclusion on something. True. And that's where that's where AI, the, the um, chat GBT is getting fouled up, right? Because the more misinformation and disinformation that's out there that it's picking up on and incorporating into what it's saying, mm. it's like, I don't know, like, is that true? Or is that slightly off? And you just don't even know. That's why the next iteration, I hope uh, they're working on gives all the sources for all the information so you can go and research it and follow the rabbit trail and actually make a decision yourself on do i trust the sources mm. well jeff it's been just over an hour of us talking we've spoken about some great things and you know we've gotten here there we've spoken about yourself we've spoken about the company we've spoken about your views your learnings and all that kind of stuff but what i'm curious about is you know trying to wrap everything together is what is it about what you do that brings you the most joy 
It's a great question. Uh, I think knowing that I am doing my best and that I'm contributing to the well-being of others, right? So I think if you look at it like you almost like when I was in the medical field, doctors were kind of the the pinnacle, right? It's mm-hmm. like they're they're helping people, they're using their the height of their skills and their talents and their intellect and they're they're helping people, right? Mm-hmm. And and that's really at the end of the day, uh you can try to get what's yours and grow yourself and focus on yourself. But a lot of times where that leads is just depression, anxiety. Like you're just like, man, your frustration or whatever. Mm. The second you put your view on others and how to help others, like it's just the weight lifts off and you enjoy it and you're like, wow. And so like to be able to just do what you love with the people you love uh, is, is amazing. Gives me a lot of joy. And so I think to, to wrap it all together, it's just really understand um, where you can feel that state of flow, where you're using all your skills that God gave you, right? Mm-hmm. Like whatever you have that you can help the world with, you're doing that to the best of your ability and you feel like you're helping other people. So that's, that's the ultimate for me. Where can the people find you online? Yeah, so uh, anything personal is at jeffdolan.com. And uh, wave is wave.co with two V's. So W-A-V-V-E dot C-O. Thank you for listening to People Explained. New episodes come out every Monday. We would appreciate it if you gave us a review on Apple Podcasts and shared this episode with a friend.